Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. A few weeks ago, we were talking about the sounds that your animals might hear that we can't hear. Because their hearing is phenomenal. Cats hearing and dogs hearing Mm -hmm. far exceeds ours. And uh, so does their uh, vision, too. Of course, we know that. Scientists have told us that for years. But not till now, Dr. Jeremy Turner, he's from the Southern Illinois University School of Medicine in the Department of Pharmacology, of all places, to be studying the sounds (laughs) that animals hear. He believes that there may be sounds that are emitted from our electronic devices. Oh, no. That can actually affect our animals. We have to give up our computers? Well, I don't know. It may not affect them bad. Okay. We'll, we'll find out more details. He's on the show in just a few minutes. Also, you know that guy that delivers all your mail and all your packages through rain, through sleep, through snow? <laughs> oh, yeah. And has to deal with that dog of yours, that dog that keeps barking every time he comes to the door. Of course, we're talking about your postal carrier, your mailman, dressed in or his- Or male woman. Or male woman. Male person. Male person. They have to deal with dogs and probably other animals- all throughout their route, all the time. There's new statistics out that show that Los Angeles, which was the number one city last year, is now the number two city for carrier bites, postal carrier bites and attacks. It went down one, huh? It did go down So one. who's number one? You'll have to wait and find out. We're going to talk to just a regular old postal carrier. A guy that's on the ground. He's out there. He's, He's out in the there. trenches. I understand he may have been bitten. I believe he has. Okay. We're going to find out what he thinks about his route and your dogs coming up in just a few minutes. Lori, what are you working on? Well, dogs these days are everywhere, you know, from weddings to supermarkets to restaurants and you name it. But now dogs are being included in, oh, let's call it the rite of passage when somebody has passed into funerals. We'll tell you about a dog who had to go through her own owner's funeral so that she was able to finally get on with her life because she was so adversely affected by it. Mm, I'm betting she was grieving because yeah, I, th- they I do. think animals yeah. can grieve. Sure. But this is becoming a real common thing now for people finally seeing this to start including their pets in funerals. We'll find out more with Lori at the bottom of the hour. First year calls for Dr. Debbie or Joey Villani, 1-866-405-8405. And let's go to Rosemary. Hi, Rosemary. Hello. Where are you, where are you today? I'm in California today, and I'm home. Okay. So what's going on? I have the whole team here to help you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so um, I have a five-year-old uh, female cat. You know, uh, last Friday I took her to the to the hospital because um, she wasn't eating for three days. And uh, that day we noticed that uh, you know she was hiding again. You know, um, she she usually lives in the in the garage. Um, and then uh, sometimes you know we bring her inside, you know, just to pet her. But um, um, we noticed that she was having trouble breathing, so we took her to the to the doctor. The doctor uh, did X-rays, and she said that she had pleural effusion. So mm, okay. she went, a, so she went ahead and put a chest tube, and then uh, and then she said that she will send the specimen to the to the lab, you know, to see if it was bacterial. So today she called us and she said that she had is not bacterial, and she said that she has something called Kyo. Kyo, uh, okay, Kyo. yeah. So, um, so she said that um, you know what she recommends is that we transfer her to another hospital. 
mm-hmm. for further uh, evaluation. She she's thinking maybe a cat scan, maybe possible surgery, but she mm-hmm. said it's going to be more expensive. Okay, mm-hmm. so far you know our bill is over five thousand since Friday, oh, and yeah. um, and the and the doctor when she um you know when she first inserted the chest to she removed two hundred and fifty um, mLs of uh, okay. cloudy fluid. And since then, she's, they've been aspirating every four hours. So they said that the, the lowest it's been is 19 cc's. But sometimes, you know, it was up to 30 again. So today she gave me an average of um, uh, 100 ml per, per day. So she, so what she told me is that she doesn't recommend uh, my cat to come back home. She's not ready. She doesn't, she's not ready to have the chest to removed. So what she's recommending is that um, either we take her to the doc to another hospital or maybe, you know, put her to sleep. I see. I see. And, you know, this, I, I feel so bad for you, Rosemary, because this is a very, uh, it's usually a very sudden type illness we have. And when cats yeah. develop what we, what we call the chylothorax, just for those that aren't familiar, chyle is a, a fluid that circulates in our bodies and in animal bodies. And it, it basically drains the immune system. And in situations with dogs and cats, what can happen is um, we can have um, high pressures in the in the lymph system that actually the chyle will leak into the chest, and that will compress the lungs, make it hard to breathe, and then hence you know we put like a tube in, in, in like in your kitty's situation, and that helps to keep that fluid from building up and compressing the lungs so that we can be comfortable. And then also the chyle that stays in the chest um, can create a lot of inflammation, and that can cause like a scarring around the lungs that can be bad if we don't manage that fluid. There are situations in, in some cats where this just happens for no reason. In other cats, it could be from an underlying heart or maybe even like a tumor in the chest. So I, I agree with your doctor that, you know, it's wise to get evaluated by another um, specialist. And that's what I'm guessing she, they're recommending um, so that we can try to figure that out. But if I could sit here today and tell you that your cat did not have any of those other causes and it was what we basically call idiopathic, it just happens for no good reason, then in those situations, um, it's a long haul. And it is something that does require extensive um, ICU-level care. Um, your veterinarian is recommending a type of a surgery where we basically have the, the duct in the chest um, kind of tight off so it doesn't leak any further. And that can be successful, but it doesn't quickly fix things. It can take up to a month, month and a half for this condition to be under control. So even with the best of treatment, you're looking at a long haul here of um, a lot of involved medical care. So, you know, I know nobody wants to hear the words, you know, your pet should be euthanized, but it, it is something certainly to consider that there's a lot of medical need with this condition. Now, there, I will tell you, though, there are some cases, if the fluid isn't too rapid in building up, that um, we can try some things um, medically to help. And that might include starting on a low-fat diet, an ultra-low-fat diet. There's a um, nutraceutical called Rudin, um, which is basically a kind of an antioxidant that has uh, believed to uh, affect some of the, the pressure in the blood vessels, and it helps to decrease the buildup of this chyle fluid. Um, and then we combine that with um, repeated chest taps. So right now your kitty has a tube in her chest, which is the port at which they're pulling this fluid out. In, in some situations, if a 
cat is more stable, um, we might say every week do a chest tap. And that's where there's not a tube necessarily left in the chest. But the cat, if it's, you know, hopefully stable enough to be at home, would return to the veterinary hospital and receive a chest tap and hopefully do well enough that that could be done on an intermittent basis. I can't tell you that if, if your kitty falls in that situation or not. And, you know, I think your veterinarian on site is probably the, the best app to tell you if that is an option or not. Um, but that is kind of that middle road of between doing everything possible with the surgery versus euthanasia. So it's kind of in the middle. And, and if they feel that might be worth an effort, then, then certainly I think a good conversation about that. Okay. And um, she also mentioned um, uh, starting her own steroids. Is there something specifically that they were wanting to treat or was that more they were just concerned about the inflammation? Well, she said that uh, because, you know, she thinks it's uh, idiopathic. She said that uh, what she recommends is uh, for her to be started to their own steroids. You know, we're, we, you know, thinking about maybe, you know, we'll see how she does with the first 24 hours. You know, because, I mean, like transferring her to the to another hospital, you know, um, that, I mean, we won't be, we would not be able to afford that. Yeah. So, so, you know, I mean, I mean, it's just that we don't, we don't want to her to see it because it's, it's just too sad mm-hmm. you know it's just yeah. too sad she's a young cat she's been she's been healthy you know and now this this happens but 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 then you know again you know the money issue you know it's it's an average it's a daily average of five hundred dollars you know that is adding mm-hmm. up to the bill you know we'll see how she does the first 24 hours which would be tomorrow around noon Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, that, I, so, I think that sounds very reasonable to see how she's doing. And, you know, I, I think steroids certainly could be helpful. I wouldn't use that as the sole therapy. Um, you know, as mm-hmm, I said, mm-hmm. you know, repeated chest taps and the, the rudin and then the low fat diet. You know, I think anything you can do medically to help, you know, make a good outcome would be everything I would try for her. And then, you know, if that doesn't help um, or the finances get to be too much with the repeated care, then then I think um, you may have some difficult decisions to make there. So I hope for the best for you and your baby there, Rosemary. I know five years is not not very old at all, but um, yeah. yeah, yeah. But thank you, thank you very much for answering my. Of course, Rosemary. All of our prayers to you and, and your family, and hopefully you'll find the strength to make it through this. Thank you. Thank you very much again. Thank you. A toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. Now, does insurance cover this kind of stuff, if she had had insurance? Oh, yeah, this would be a type of a condition that I would expect insurance would would help with and really kind of... uh, you know, as long as the insurance policy was in place before the kitty, you know, had these kind of signs. Um, but yeah, this is one of those horrible, unexpected uh, medical emergencies that you just don't expect that can can yeah. happen. So it, it can be very, it's, it's a high intensity ICU level care kind of condition. So it sounds like her vet has done an awesome job and she's getting the best care right now. one 405 this scrumptious serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats, always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Their website's redbarninc.com, and thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. <laughs>
Hi, this is Brandon McMillan on Animal Radio, and be sure to adopt and not shop. This is Brandon McMillan, TV host of the weekly CBS series Lucky Dog and spokesperson for the 11th annual pet adoption tour, Get Your Licks on Route 66, brought to you by Fido Friendly Magazine. The tour travels from L.A. to Chicago, stopping at shelters along the way to support adoption events. I'll be at the opening day of the tour, September 7th, along with some great pets available for adoption. Log on to FidoFriendly.com to find out where the tour stops near you. You just might find your new forever friend. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. I'm just amazed how all of our dogs are getting along so well. We get to bring our pets into work pretty much, and hopefully you do too when you uh, go to your job. Uh, Nikki is in here today. Nikki is looking spelled. Isn't she looking fabulous? She's clean. (laughs) Is that what it is? It's shiny. Yes. Well, she had a bath, and then I um, trimmed her, so I I groomed her as well. And it only lasts for a short while. You know, the hair grows out, but she loves to be a tomboy. (laughs) She rolls in the yard in the dirt, and she just collects dust and twigs and grass and you name it. So, yeah. Beauty will only be shortcome. <laughs> yeah, that's just like Ladybug. As soon as the bath's done, she figures, ah, I got to go roll in something and get my smell back. Something dead. Yes. Or any <laughs> dead worms, anything around. Uh, so on today's show, do our animals suffer from the technology that we have? Do they hear suffer from Well, it? hearing noises. Oh. There's some rumor, and we've been reporting lately, that they can hear the noises that our uh, phones, that our TV, VCRs, computers make, could be freaking them out. And we can't hear it. Absolutely. You know what? I've seen dogs and cats over the years where sometimes they have a behavioral disorder. You know, a cat might, you know, meow at a wall. A dog might scratch or dig at a spot in a home. And we don't understand why. And, you know, you have to kind of wonder if they're picking up on different vibrations, sounds that we are just not keen to. And it could be relative to some of these uh, anxiety or behavioral disorders. Sure. Well, there's an underlying theme. If you've listened long here to Animal Radio uh, throughout the years, you kind of know that animals are smarter than us humans, or they have sense. They have senses that we just don't understand. You know, they that we don't have. And so, you know, if they're looking at the wall, staring at the wall, maybe there's something in the wall. Maybe they're not crazy. Maybe there's a mouse in there, or some kind of electronic noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, we're going to talk to Dr. Jeremy Turner on the show today. He's uh, from one of the colleges in southern Illinois, and he studies the sounds that we can't hear that animals can hear. And that's happening this hour right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on? Can you imagine getting a puppy and from a pet store even? And, and so you're, you're pretty well you know, excited and, and you think that these people know what they're selling you and you get that puppy home and you raise it and love it for six months and because of the animal that that puppy really is, that puppy goes to the zoo. Okay. <laughs> I can't imagine. That was cryptic. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to find out what that's all about here in just uh, about 10 minutes right here on Animal Radio. If you go anywhere, then you're crazy. I mean, that, wasn't that enough to keep you sticking around? <laughs> I certainly think so. It is wild. It yeah. is. And let's take one for Dr. Debbie. We have Robert on the phone. Welcome to the show, Robert. Hello. Hello. I can barely hear you. Take your take your hand off the speaker on your phone. Hold it hold it uh, on either side there. 
You're muffled. Uh, let me take off the Bluetooth, Dan. Okay. Hold on. Those damn Bluetooth. They, they're supposed to help us out, but I can't get mine to work. Okay. There's always you, trouble. Okay. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah. What's going on? Okay. My Kita, she, well, well, the last two weeks, she's starting to bleed after she used the restroom. Mm-hmm. Now the blood is okay. in the urine now. And, well, she had a problem when she was one year old. And they found out she had a weak liver, and they put her on that LD prescription diet food. And okay. I was just trying to figure out if she if she have an infection or just probably because of her liver. Okay. Now I got to ask: Is she is this gal spayed? Yes. Okay. So good. That eliminates the in heat kind of part of the question there. You know what? The number one thing that I I would think about with a doggy that has a history of a liver problem, especially one that's severe enough where we're talking about nutritional control with such a diet such as that, which is a low-protein diet, uh, the main thing that comes to mind is bladder stones. And um, there's all sorts of different types of bladder stones that are out there, but there are certain types that we see more commonly in pets that have a liver dysfunction, um, typically urate based stones. That's the kind that they often get. So definitely, I would say this would be something that if she's passing blood regularly, it is something we need to look into. And the way that I would do that would be, one, to collect a urine sample, but two, it might involve even taking some x-rays of her bladder area to see. Um, Because if it is that, we need to deal with those suckers, because they ain't going to go anywhere on their own uh, if they're formed and if they're in that bladder. And that's that's just a source of discomfort and infection in itself. If you think about the bladder, it's basically just a big sack and it holds that urine. If we have anything bopping around in there like stones or crystals, it's just kind of creating more and more irritation and more opportunity for infection to, to happen. So um, I would definitely get this baby checked out and uh, you know see if that is the, in fact the my suspicion is correct there. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I was going to get ready to take her Monday and they wanted to do another blood test on her so she can renew her LD prescription diet uh, mm-hmm. food. So I get them to do the x-rays too. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's good. I'm glad to hear that you're you know, doing some follow-up lab work because we always watch you know, those patients with liver problems. And, and does she seem to be holding her weight okay, eating okay, all that stuff? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, very she good. Just, she just have a, you know, this motion of going to the restroom but she don't really go to the restroom after the first time then a little mm-hmm. cup drops of blood come out and mm-hmm. you know she just squatting there for a couple of seconds so oh I goodness well let's hope it's let's hope it's just a urinary infection because that could certainly have a much easier start and stop and ending point than if we do have any kind of stone so my best wishes to you and let us know how things turn out there at the doc's office uh Thank you so much for your call, Robert. This is Dr. Debbie. We're here to take your calls at 1-866-405-8405. This portion of Animal Radio was underwritten by Kensington Books. When homicide hits her suburban Connecticut hometown, Melanie Travis and her pedigree poodles are back on the case in Bite Club. Cozy up with your furry friend and see if you can figure out who the real killer is. Bite Club by Lorian Berenson is available everywhere books are sold. And you can learn more at kensingtoncozies.com. Thanks, Kensington, for underwriting Animal Radio. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. 
Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted, natural meaty bones. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. There's some new research out on dog bites. Now, this latest study was conducted in Australia. It found pet dogs owned by a child's family, relative, or even close friends. But those pet dogs are responsible for 84% of dog bites. Another 8% of children, when children were studied in this part of the study, were bitten by neighbor's dogs, meaning only 8% were bitten by a stranger's dog. Now, armed with that information, two experts at a Children's Hospital in Australia poured over medical records in their hospital and found doctors had treated 426 children for dog bites since the end of uh, 2014. So what, four years ago, three years ago? Of the 151 treated in just the past year, a third of those required hospitalization for at least a night. And they say of those children seen at the hospital, about half were under four years of age. That is so small. And about 70% had been bitten on the face, presumably because they're small enough to be bitten at face level. And they say in most of these cases, it was older dogs who had been surprised by a younger child, um, such as when the dog was sleeping. But had that same bite been inflicted on an adult, the bite would have likely been on the adult's legs. Now, regarding bites to adults, surgeons say dog bites are underreported. And another study shows that adults bitten by dogs often delay getting medical attention until infection sets in and then they're stuck in the hospital for a one to two night stay. Well, so apparently dog bites are not the only injury that a dog can inflict on a human. We love dogs here, but I mean, it is up to all of us and is everyone's responsibility when there is a a dog and a child in the same room that you never, ever, not even for a second, take your eye off of either one of them. So in this story, there is a man in Iowa who was recently hospitalized when his dog shot him while the two were playing together. Wait, wait, wait. Shot him? Yes. Yes. Now, they were roughhousing. And this guy apparently, he does this with his dog a lot, but, you know, it's just a freak accident. They were playing rough on the couch and, you know, he would push the dog off and the dog would come bounding back up on the sofa. Well, somehow when the dog did this, He disabled the safety on the gun, which the man had in a belly band. And then the dog, you know, it would be easy to, you know, step on a trigger. Ta-da. So the bullet hit the man in the leg. But luckily, he was treated at a hospital, released later that same day. So apparently not even as bad as as an infected dog bite, right? <laughs> the the dog dad says that after the gun went off, the dog knew it was no longer playtime uh, because he lay down beside the owner and he started crying, thinking that he had done something wrong. Uh, but I think it's pretty clear in this situation that the mistake and the wrongness here was done by the owner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, owners, gun owners, please keep your guns away from your dogs, okay? Is the dog's Wait, name you, Trigger? You, you know it didn't say in the story that that i read and i did not want to go searching for it because that would have just made it laughable but i mean it is crazy you can't do it you can't have a belly band a a gun in your belly i don't know nuts yeah he's he's lucky he only got shot in the leg yeah because yeah (laughs) good point judy (laughs) 
<laughs> you yeah. think he could have lost a lot more. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Now, there's this uh, man who was in his 80s, Joseph Tony Bennett. And uh, he may have left this earth last year, but his memory will not ever be forgotten by the animal shelter in Madison County, Kentucky. Because last month, in the county's fiscal court division, his attorney presented a check to the county shelter for $190,897.27, which Mr. Bennett had left them in his will. He had no other family. So the shelter, so excited about this, will be using the money, they say, to increase their spay and neuter program. Awesome. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. And a few few weeks back... Laura, you did a story on the technology that could be affecting our animals that we don't know about. Yeah. Could be uh, sounds that we don't know about from our electronics. You know, I know my dog freaks out when there's like a brownout and and the UPS thing comes on for like the computer backup. She hears that noise. She hears that beat, that noise, and it just freaks Freaks her out. Yeah. Yeah, but we can hear that. I guess so. But maybe there's more noise associated that that we can't hear. Right. Yeah. Uh, it was a great article that we referenced in that. It was uh, an article, and I forget the, where it was originally. Was it Parade magazine? It might have been Parade. It might have been syndicated. But quoted inside was Dr. Jeremy G. Turner of the Southern Illinois University School of Medicine uh, Department of Pharmacology. And uh, he joins us right now. Hi, Doc. How are you doing? Hey, I'm very good. Nice to, nice to hear your voices. Do you have animals at home? I do. We have, uh, <laughs> as of latest count, we have three cats. <laughs> And uh, we have uh, a dog, and we have a little guinea pig, and um, and three children. So depending on how you count, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and occasionally we've got other little critters that our uh, that our cats will bring up to us. So, so yeah. So we may never know exactly what our animals hear that we don't hear, but we could always take a stab at what they might hear. What do you think is going on, in your personal opinion? Well, so you know, I study I study ultrasonic hearing in in rodents primarily. So I'm I'm interested in deafness and and uh, in fact understanding how humans hear and how hearing goes bad, as in when we create tinnitus ringing in the ears. So I'm really interested in in how to to figure that out. And so through the process of studying hearing in in uh, in, in mice and rats, we we've essentially uh, come to understand that. You know, the animals that are in our lives are hearing sounds that we have no idea about. Uh, they have a hearing range that extends far higher in pitch than ours. And so, um, uh, you know, and this is for good reason. Um, there, there's a good relationship between head size and how high a frequency you can hear. So, for example, the smaller the head of the animal, the higher pitches they can hear. So little bats, for example, oh, wow. can vocalize really well. Little mice can, can hear, you know, up to 100, 120,000 hertz. Um, and then, then bigger animals like elephants, they hear low-frequency sounds. So uh, it has to do with, uh, with uh, a couple of factors, but we think the biggest reason for that is that it helps them localize sound. So um, 
hearing high frequencies uh, is really important if you've got a little head. And uh, if you need to localize where sounds are coming from, you can actually measure in your brain the time it takes sound to travel from one ear to the next. And the change in pitch as it hits the head on one side and only some of that sound gets to the other. So, so yeah, our, our little animals in our lives, they hear sounds that we don't. And increasingly, the technology that we're bringing into our lives turns out is creating a lot of a lot of ultrasonic noise um computers televisions uh, pretty much anything with a little motor in it uh, a little electronic switching circuit boards um these things these things generate these high-pitched sounds that we're not uh, we're not aware of you know when the, the house cleaning or the uh, housekeeping comes to to clean up the office they bring in their vacuum and i ju- it just it drives me crazy. I hate the sound of vacuums. It, str- it literally stresses me out. I have to leave the office. Could we be stressing out our animals with sounds that we don't know that we're doing that to? Of course. Um, sound is, is a great way to stress out mammals, period. And so, um, you know, it, if you've ever had a baby in the house, you know that's the case, right? I mean, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's a great way to communicate in the dark. So, you know, and around corners. And so... Um, you know, a lot of animals have aversion calls, you know, so that they can warn their friends that, hey, there's something bad in the neighborhood. And, and you know, it's not just pitch, you know, how from low frequencies to high. It, it has to do with intensity as well, how loud it is. And so a louder call is more arousing than a, than a more quiet call, of course. And, and you're right. And a lot of times our environments are absolutely just filled with noise. And we just, we adapt to it. We get used to it. We, we At least we tell ourselves that we do. But but below the surface, you know, our biology is impacted by that. You know, our, our heart rates are, are higher uh, if we're in a noisier environment. We know that people in the workplace, if they've got a louder computer uh, or noisier environment, they've got higher, you know, risks of cardiovascular dysfunction, and they, and they make more errors in data entry, and they're more anxious in work. And so we, we feel like we have it under control sometimes, but even sounds that are in our environment that we're just not even psychologically aware of, they're impacting us. Uh, and it could be doing the same thing to our to our pets, and so our cats and dogs at home. You know, we're kind of bathing them in sounds, of course, that we can hear. And if we hear a, a loud clunking going on in our refrigerator, we we call the repair guy. Um, but you know, if we don't hear it, what are we going to do? And so, whether it's a, from a fluorescent light or. No, new fancy LED lights can do a similar thing. I want you to hold that thought because we have lots of questions about LED lights. We are with Dr. Jeremy Turner, professor of psychology and neuroscience at Illinois College, and he studies the sounds that only animals can hear. Stick around, there's more on the way. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Brilliant Pad. Are you tired of handling stinky puppy pads? The Brilliant Pad self-cleaning dog potty wraps and seals waste to keep your home clean and odor-free. Messy and smelly is replaced with clean and fresh. Their website's brilliantpad.com. And thanks, Brilliant Pad, for underwriting Animal Radio. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten free. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. 
We are with Dr. Jeremy Turner. He's a professor of psychology and neuroscience at Illinois College, and he studies the sounds that animals can hear, but humans can't. And we have lots of questions about LED lights in particular. Go ahead, Dr. Debbie. That was a big concern I had because we recently had switched all of the light bulbs over from the old incandescent bulbs to LEDs. And now after we're hearing that the lights could be emitting some sound that disturbs my pets, I'm kind of, I'm bothered by that. And uh, I wanted to know what you think about what I need to do. Well, unfortunately, this is one of those things that you can't hear it. And, you know, we developed some equipment that we sell to, to measure it. Uh, unfortunately, measuring this kind of thing can be somewhat expensive because you have to have these really kind of high-end microphones that are sensitive to these high-pitched sounds. But but if you turn on a device, um, and if you've got a pet, you know, in the vicinity, within a meter, within a few feet, for example, of, of the device, and if you notice an, it orienting, it turning its head or, or doing something different as a result, you can be pretty sure that it heard that. And, and you know, sound drops with intensity pretty significantly. And so high-pitched sounds, especially if they are generating them at a light, at a computer, if you're a few feet away, it drops really noticeably. And so the animal, if it's bothered by it, it can, it'll, it'll go away. It might leave the room. It might not want to sit on your lap while you're working on something at the computer. Mm. Um, but it might, you know, just walk five, six feet away and lay on the floor where it's, it's not hearing it anymore. And so these high-frequency sounds, they're, you know, you can think of them like bats you know, sonar, they, they act like um, little ping pong balls. They, they shoot in straight lines. You know, most sound kind of bends around corners. You can have the lawnmower running and you can shut your window in the door and it still seeps through. Um, but these high frequency sounds, they'll hit a wall and they'll bounce back like a ping pong ball and they don't bend very well. So if you have a source like that, it's oftentimes contained within the device itself. So a light, for example, if it's got a good seal on it, it's going to hold all that acoustic energy in, but if it's got a crack in it, if it's got, you know, plastic cover on it, it isn't in place, it might seep out, and in your computer, it, it actually is coming out of the, the, the fan area. Mm. And so all those electronics mm. inside, they're, they're blocked by the, you know, the metal or plastic housing of the computer, but where it's breathing, where the fan's blowing in and out, all that acoustic information is coming out there, and it'll hit the wall, and it'll bounce back, and if you give it four, five, six feet, it'll drop to a level that's, you know, not going to be a big problem, but... And you're talking mostly about sound because that is your specialty. The LED lights, I know they flicker. I mean, they're, but humans can't see it, but they, they do go on and off at a, at a rate that maybe dogs can see, do you think? Well, you know, I'm not a vision expert, so I try to make it a practice not to delve into areas I'm not, not I understand. expert in. But, but there are switching mechanisms in those computers, so the power is switching on and off at forty or 50,000 times a second in those things. And so that can create this acoustic kind of transient that, that we can hear or that the animals can hear and that we can measure. But, but you're right. I mean, LED lights, one of the great and problematic things about them is that you can get them to emit different wavelengths, different colors of light, you know, along the spectrum. And so uh, different species are sensitive to different wavelengths. So, you know, we, we humans, you know, have, have uh, color vision that is, you know, of uh, the three basic varieties. And we know that that other species have, have differences. So they, they can see some colors, but, but in different ways. And so that moves a little bit out of my space. But, sure. but you're, you're, the point is that, yeah, just like sound, there are things in our visual environment, uh, and not to mention olfactory. I mean, they're great sniffers, yeah. you know, our cats and dogs. They, there's a whole world out there of sensory information that, that, that we're not even aware of that is impacting them. The more we learn about it, the more, more we learn about our relationship with them and 
how to make it better. And you know, I don't want to scare people. I don't want to have all the, you know, homeowners, uh, pet owners uh, at home thinking that they're not going to be able to use lights in their home anymore or computers. Um, but but we we you know it's another factor to take into account when you're when you're interacting with your loved ones to uh, to recognize that they might be hearing things that you don't. And, and we see that this is especially likely the going to be problematic for more sensitive animals. So, you know, we all know uh, the dog in our history or in a friend's family or something that's especially hyper and, and reactive to things in the environment. So the same sound that's heard by, you know, your dog might be not a problem for him, but for another, it might really set him off. So maybe we should allow for a space, a place in our home that our animals can go to where we don't have any computers or electronics or anything where they can just go and chill out if they need to? Yeah, and that, that you know, when you say it out loud, it kind of sounds like that's good good advice for all of us, right? <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking there's just a room for all of us to One go of into. Those rooms. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, and especially, you know, you might think that this would be important for, you know, a kennel environment, for example, where, where you have your, you know, your little space for your guy at night. And in that particular environment where he can't escape, he can't move around and get away from something, you might want to be more careful about how much electronics you have in that space. And... Another thing, while it's not really common in, in households, um, a lot of uh, more industrial environments are going toward light deactivators that are ultrasonic in nature. So they actually installed these at our college, at, at Illinois College, where I, where I teach. And these essentially turn off the lights in the room if it doesn't sense any activity. So it shoots out ultrasonic sound and measures what comes back just oh. like a bat. And oh. it, we, I measured this at a, a 125 dB. So it's like a jet taking off. It's loud to them. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's 40 kilohertz, so we're not aware of it. But, you know, if you if you have a, you know, um, a personal assistance, uh, you know, dog, for example, helping you out, coming into your classroom in, at college or, you know, in a business environment where some of these might be installed, you can imagine how arousing and problematic that might be, and you're not even aware of it. So we've heard tales of, you know, research facilities where, you know, animals are taking part in, in uh, studies that they might have seizures when they when they hear this sound. It's so loud. So. Oh, wow. This is all very intriguing. Yes. I, Who would have thought? Yes. I appreciate you spending time with us. We're going to have to do this again. Obviously, it uh, is worthy of more conversation later down the line. Sure thing. Dr. Jeremy Turner, professor of psychology and neuroscience at Illinois College, joining us. Thank you so much. We're going to head back to the phones for your calls, toll free, 1 866 405 8405. Here's today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Miles. The 2020 Honda Civic hatchback gets fresh exterior and interior styling, giving it a more aggressive look, updated technology, and expanded manual transmission availability. Seven trim models are available, ranging in price from $22,580 to $29,780, including destination charges. To find your new Civic, check out our reviews at ourautoexpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car care needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service. For professional parts people you can trust, stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts. Better prices every day. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, 
Al Abrams, and Judy Francis. And we'll go to the phones in just a couple of seconds. Have you ever been bit by a dog? Now, I'm thinking that there's certain industries, certain careers where, yeah, you're probably going to get bitten by a dog. One of them is going to be veterinarian. Right, Dr. Debbie? I'm sure (laughs) that's... Comes with the territory. Comes with the territory. (laughs) Judy, you're a pet sitter. I imagine every once in a while you're put in a heroin experience. I've been bit. Yes, I have. Okay. The, The pizza guy. They always leave the pizza guy alone because he's bringing pizza. But what about the mail carrier? Yes, the mail carrier is obviously very vulnerable to uh, dog bites. This hour, we have a letter carrier who's going to come on, tell us his story about his routes and whether dogs have ever harassed him. Or cats. Or cats. Because we we had that story a couple of years ago about the cat that uh, attacked the mailman Mm -hmm. and she didn't want to deliver mail. Hi, Julie. How are you doing? I'm fine. Where are you you calling from today? I am calling from Mount Carroll, Illinois. That sounds beautiful. It's very humid today, but it is beautiful, yeah. (laughs) We, uh, whose dog is that? That's Tater. (laughs) Yeah. He heard a bee buzz by in Oklahoma. I don't know. So, Julie, what's going on with your animals? Okay, I have Sunny, a female. She's Sunny because she was. I thought she was smiling when I brought her home from the shelter. and uh, But she is about 10 now, I guess. And she will just be sleeping, laying around, and she'll get up and she'll look behind her and there will be a spot on the floor and she'll act like she doesn't know what just happened. And then she'll go lay across the room and sometimes she'll get up and the same thing will happen again. She'll get up and there'll be... Um, a spot. She's left a spot, um, like she peed, but I don't know if that's what it is. And then she'll go and clean herself up. I don't know what's going on with her. Mm, okay. And is this only a recent problem, or has she had this for a long time? I'm going to say maybe three months. Okay. All right. And then does she ever have any problem where any poop leaks out at that same time, like when she's laying there? No. Mm-mm. No. And just I, the pee. I got, yeah. And I've gotten down and smelled it, um, and it doesn't have any strong odor that I can detect. All right. Well, you know, when we see this in dogs, um, you know, we're presuming that she doesn't know what's happening. She's yeah. waking up, she finds the puddle, you find the puddle, and she's like, oh, okay, I'll clean myself. Um yeah. Some of the important things that we want to evaluate in in the household are looking at some of her other behaviors and and basically making sure we are watching her when she goes out to eliminate and to observe if there's any difficulty um, for her urinating, if she goes frequently or goes in large puddles, small puddles, because that's kind of part of how we determine um, ultimately what may be the cause for this is, do we see any other kinds of elimination problems for her at home? The other thing to watch for is going to be drinking. Um, Does she drink a lot? Um, Does she tend to um, ask for more water? And does the bowl run empty during the day? That's another important thing, because that helps us with the history behind these kind of situations. Because of the whole gamut of things that would cause your dog to do this, the first things that I talk about would be things like infections. Um, so that would be important to know what her elimination pattern is outside. Uh-huh. The other would be things that would cause excessive water intake. And that might be a broad category, think, covering things like kidney problems, diabetes, liver disorders, things like that. Things that might cause a dog to drink a lot more. And then maybe not be able to hold their urine as much and have that spillover when they're sleeping. 
The next thing that I really think of, and it's probably the biggest category that we tend to see in female dogs, especially if they're spayed, is that they can have a wink, a wink. (laughs) Female dogs in that age can have a weak bladder sphincter. Um, Uh And we see that uh, more in females that are spayed, and that's thought to be because of the, the rule that estrogen can have on the bladder health and the uh, kind of the nerve uh, function in the bladder. Uh-huh. The la- the last thing I think of when I have a dog that's leaking like this would be something involving the spine, some kind of neurological problem. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where we would start off thinking about this. So if I were to see your doggy, what I would do is, you know, ask you all these questions. Um, uh-huh. And then I'd want to do a little bit of groundwork and do some testing. And that's going to involve doing some basic lab work, um, checking blood values, as well as a urine sample. Um, kind of making sure we don't have any infection, um, like I said, kidney problems, anything else that might be going on. If all of that stuff looks super, looks great, and I don't have any other concerns for, say, like a neurologic problem, I might say that your gal could have um, a weak bladder sphincter. Mm-hmm. Which is really common, and um, I, I had a dog previously that, that had this problem from actually a fairly young age. Um, and if it is something like that, there are medications that can be quite helpful to control that. Oh. Um, and it is important to at least give it a whirl. And, and, and if we have a dog, I've had some people say, oh, it's just, it's not a nuisance. I'll just clean up after her. But it's right. not a healthy thing to have that urine soiling on the back end because we will yeah. get skin infections, vaginal infections, and so forth. So, okay. um, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was thinking kind of along that line, too. Well, it doesn't happen real often, and she can she can go hours and hours. I mean, she's really good like that for uh, being able to go to the bathroom overnight or whatever. But I understand there's a reason that this is happening. You did make me kind of wonder because she uh, went off chasing a squirrel a couple of years ago and came back limping one back leg, and she limped on it. I mean, she held it up for a few days, and I was really worried. And then all of a sudden, she just got better. But every once in a while, she will just be holding up the one back leg. So, mm-hmm. you know, with that last thought you had, it made me think of that. Yeah. Um, and there's also other things that cause dogs to limp on a back leg. You know, it can injure their knee, their, their cruciate ligament. So, but that would be something that, you know, if your veterinarian saw any other evidence of a neurologic problem, you know, trouble walking, mm-hmm. pain in the spine, taking an x-ray can be very helpful for this as well to see yeah. if there's any kind of arthritis along the spine or um, disc problems that could be causing that. But, um, so there, I think there's a lot of options we can do. It just depends on yeah. what your pet situation is. And if it is something like, just a weak, leaky bladder, um, yeah. there's different categories. We use either an estrogen-type drug or another one that kind of falls into what we call PPA, which is phenylpropylamine. And um, they work in little different ways. Um, some dogs benefit from one better than the other. Some dogs will put on both of them. It just really kind of depends. So um, there's there's hope in the end of the rainbow. <laughs> yes. And it, so we would start with blood tests probably. Um, Blood and urine, yeah, that would be the the okay. most important thing. So yeah, start with that and see see what they come up with. Okay, thank you so much. I really enjoy your show, and it's and I like the way you talk to people. So it's uh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Julie. Thanks for listening. Toll free one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. You can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Brilliant Pad, proud to support the animal shelter and rescue community. 
The Brilliant Pad Shelter Program donates products for fundraisers and for use by shelters and foster families. Adopting families can get a free Brilliant Pad system. Their website's brilliantpad.com slash shelters. And thank you, Brilliant Pad, for underwriting Animal Radio. Uh, Sherry, hey, Sherry, how are you? Hey, how I'm great. How are you? Good. What's going on? Good. Well, this is kind of a return phone call. Um, I talked to Dr. Debbie a couple months back, and I wanted to know that she did convince me, and I'm going to have my dog spayed. Yay! Okay. Good deal. Happy to hear that. Yes. Well, what I'd really like to know is what the spaying process entails, what they do remove from her, and I want to know if it's going to change her personality. She's a 10-month-old, and she's extremely loving and very rambunctious and I just don't want her to be somebody else. Okay, yeah. And, you know, a lot of times um, some folks will do spaying and neutering for the purpose, what they believe, for changing their personality so that we can calm them down. And I want to say, first and foremost, that female dogs, we really don't see that effect. In the male dog, we might see some of that sexual energy kind of tamed down um, once they're neutered. But for females, we really don't see a change in the personality there. So no problems there. Now, the actual process of spaying, it's actually uh, what we call an ovariohysterectomy. So we remove the ovaries and we move, remove the uterus. And it's usually through an abdominal incision. And for most dogs, uh, depending on the office you go to, she may be there a day, she may be there two days. Um, and in most cases, we'll take stitches out about 10 days down the road. So just kind of keeping things to a low roar in the first couple days afterwards helps to facilitate healing. Now, I would say there are increasingly some veterinarians that offer laparoscopic spaying. And it's a little different in that usually they'll only remove the ovaries and they don't remove the uterus. And there's some some research that shows that if you just remove the ovaries, you don't have a lot of the uterine disease down the road. So that's kind of a new and still something we're learning in the veterinary world, how that fits in and finds its place. But we're really happy that you're going to do this. What made you come around? What, well, you know, lots of things. I think you're right. And um, also, I thought if I have the puppies, then if, if I give them to someone else, I will always feel like I gave my babies away. <laughs> <laughs> well, your baby yes. will live longer now and better for it. Yeah. Thanks so much. Uh, hold on for one second there. one okay. 6 give this girl a prize. We're going to give her something good. one 405 8405 to connect with any one of the Dream Team right now. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. A Canadian man now has to pick up his mail at the post office. Canada's postal system has stopped delivering his mail after a carrier was scared away from his door by what she described as a very threatening cat. John Samborski says his 8-year-old declawed black cat named Shadow is gentle and calls the whole situation ridiculous. He told the local paper that Shadow likes to eat, sleep, and cuddle. You could drop a bomb on him and he'd just open one eye, take a look, then close them and go back to sleep. A Canada Post spokeswoman said she hoped for an amicable solution to its dispute with the cat owner, but also added that the carrier who delivered the mail to the house was brought up on a farm and very comfortable with all animals. Animals, just not this cat. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. 
You'll roll over with joy for Bite Club, the new Melanie Travis canine mystery by award-winning author Lorian Berenson, amateur sleuth and proud parent of prize-winning poodles. Melanie Travis has a new book club catering to fans of crime fiction. That means when homicide hits her suburban town, this time she has a whole pack of mystery-solving pals to help her collar the killer. Dog lovers won't want to miss this light-hearted, playful caper. Bite Club is on sale now everywhere books are sold. Learn more at kensingtoncozies.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. What was that? Nothing. (laughs) It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. And coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to a postal carrier. Not a spokesman for the post office. He's just a postal carrier in our city where we're located. We're going to ask him about... His encounters with dogs. Because I got to think, as a postal carrier, boy, you're really vulnerable. You're in a uniform. Yeah. You're approaching uh, owners. Going in yards. Going in yards. Yeah. Yeah. So the attacks, uh, I can tell you the city with the the most attacks in 2017 was, can't tell you. Uh, (laughs) You're going to have to wait on that. But there were 71 attacks. That's a lot of attacks. These, These include bites. And this is year for a year? That's for, that's for a whole year. Uh, so we're going to talk to a postal carrier. We'll, f- we'll find out if this guy's ever been bitten or gal, Okay. as uh, Dr. Debbie pointed out. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, postal carriers, you know, they're, it's just such an honorable job. I mean, they're there. Rain or sleet or hail or snow. Yes. Or in 110 degree weather. As they do in Vegas. Yes. On the East Coast, uh, there were many times when we had a lot of snow and sleet and ice and things that we didn't get mail. Really? Yeah. So, the, so they they're, got... they're yeah, honorable but, and heroic people, but... For the most in part. Every case. I know you have some barking dogs. When the postman comes to your house, do they bark? And what does the postman Actually, think? ours is, is a postwoman. Okay. And yes, um, if Tater happens to see her, he throws a fit. But um, even weirder was, like, in the 80s, I had a Rottweiler, beautiful girl, and she would garden with me in the front yard. And all of a sudden, one day, I got a note in my mailbox that said that they wouldn't be delivering my mail anymore, that I'd have to pick it up at the post office because I had a dog that was untethered in the front yard. Yeah. And Mm. she was right by my side, but... Even, I mean, it, it's up to their discretion. I had a big battle with the post office, and they said, if your mail carrier is not comfortable delivering your mail, they do not have to deliver it. So I had to make sure that at mail time um, that Jesse was in the house. Yeah, okay. So. Which one are we going to? Uh, all five are lit up here. We're going to line three with Mike. Hey, Mike, welcome to the show. I have Dr. Debbie right here for you. Hi, how are you doing today? Good. Great. Yeah, we, we had a little incident a couple weeks ago where our dog, medium-sized dog, uh, decided that a rawhide chew bone was something that you devour and not chew on. Oh, and dear. and when I looked over, I could tell the dog was choking because it was thrashing its head around. Okay. So I, you know, I mean, I know how to do CP, uh, you know, CPR on a dog from the sides of the chest, but I was, like, dumbfounded. And I know the Heimlich for humans, but I was dumbfounded how you would do it on a dog. So I had to just dive down and stick my hand down her throat as far as I can get it. And luckily I was able to grab it and pull it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, life would have been much simpler with a Heimlich technique. 
Yeah, but you know, it, that comes into play when we have an airway obstruction lower than the mouth. So if that was in the mouth or in the upper airway, and you can reach that and access that with your hands safely without losing your fingertips, um, then that's really kind of the first step. If that doesn't work, then we move to the Heimlich. And, uh, you know, in dogs, there's a lot of different techniques. You can do basically a modified human Heimlich. Um, so if you have a small to medium-sized dog, you're basically um, going to reach up under the rib cage and kind of give three to five quick motions um, thrust into the abdomen like you would for a person. Now, if it's a bigger dog and you're a big person, you can still do the same thing. Although for some large dogs, it can be a little hard to kind of handle and apply those compressions. So you can uh, basically lie them on the ground and apply lateral compression to the chest and near the back end of the chest. And that can give you enough force because dogs are a little different than people. Um, We compress from the sternum when we're doing, you know, chest compressions and CPR, you press down into the chest. And in a dog, their chest doesn't really squish that way really effectively. So from the side, you can get some really good um, compressions that way in dislodging and just getting the force of that push going. So, okay. oh gosh, so scary. So, uh, well, it sounds yeah, like now you're still going to feed raw. <laughs> oh, that gets your heart going. Now, what's your uh, feeling on rawhides? I don't think it's good for uh, bigger dogs. I don't know. I mean, maybe smaller dogs, smaller mouths, they know to chew, to be chewing on it. But big dogs, I just think they, it right down, they look at it as another bone. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there are some goods and bads with that. Um, definitely the dental exercise. You know, one thing for people that love rawhides and like their dogs to get that exercise, if you're not directly supervising like you were, I would never, ever, ever feed that kind of product for your pet. Um, right. But even even with cautions, there are some other rawhide styles that might be maybe a little bit less tendency for uh, choking. And those are the compressed rawhides, which are the really heavy duty, not the chopped up rawhides that they squish into cute little shapes, but right. it goes under high pressure where it's really thick and heavy, and there's not those little knots on the end where they can get those little pieces caught. But that might be one other alternative that has less of a choking uh, potential for you. Okay, well, I thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks for your call today, one 405 8405 You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Hey, you want to adopt a hard-working dog? Well, the TSA has a program. It's for dogs that didn't quite make the cut as bomb sniffers. The one I've got couldn't tell this show was a bomb. They deserve each other. Even some that are recently retired. They have German shorthair pointers, Labrador retrievers, German shepherds, and Belgian Malinois. They range in age from 2 to 10 years old. All you have to do is travel to San Antonio, Texas, and you can pick your new best friend up. To find out more, email canine at ole.tsa.dhs.gov. Hi, this is Paul Rogers and Cynthia Rogers on Animal Radio. Just know that it's going to be all right, meow. Okay, yeah, so puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why Ladybug, the Animal Radio Studio Stunt Dog, uses the Brilliant Pad Self-Cleaning Puppy Pad. It seals away the waste and replaces the dirty pad for us. Brilliant Pad keeps the Animal Radio Studios smelling fresh. 
In fact, all we have to do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And let me tell you, that's pretty fast and easy to do. I love it, and Ladybug gives it five paws up. You can learn more about this amazing machine over at BrilliantPad.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. There was this woman in China, I don't know if you guys heard about this, she was, let's just say, stunned to discover that her dog, a Japanese Spitz, was actually a domesticated fox. Here's what happened. She paid $190 for what she believed to be a Spitz puppy from a pet store in China. And for months, she raised the puppy but kept noticing some kind of odd behaviors like the dog never barked. And then at three months old, it began refusing to eat dog food. Then she noticed some physical signs that kind of seemed weird, too. She said the dog's fur got thicker when it reached three months old, suddenly. And and its face became very pointy at three months. And its tail grew longer than that of a normal dog or any that she'd seen. What really bothered her, though, she said, was that other pet dogs seemed to be scared of her dog when she took it for walks. <laughs> So she turned to a friend who worked at a nearby zoo and told her that her dog wasn't a spitz. It was really a white-haired, domesticated fox. Wow. So, yeah, luckily wow. she knew somebody, and the zoo offered to take it, and she thought it was a good idea because there it would receive, you know, the appropriate diet and uh, certainly a better living arrangement for a fox than an apartment in China. I guess in China, you don't go see the vet as soon as you get an animal to, yeah. get, to get the it, vaccination. Wasn't there a story years ago of someone who got a dog and it turned out to be a lamb or something? Yeah. Oh, my I God. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Notice these stories all come out of China. China. It could have been Japan. I'm not yeah. sure. I know it was somewhere in Asia. How do you not know it's a lamb? Well, you know those Bedlington dogs that have that funny face that ah. they look like sheep? Yeah, but that's the haircut. Yeah, I mean, but, it doesn't. Come on. When they're babies, it's hard to tell. It was a celebrity, uh, too, that got Yeah, it. it was actually, it was a celebrity there. Yeah. yeah okay, you guys got to look that up, because now I have to know what celebrity that was, because <laughs> that will be too funny. The, the uh, a suburban Detroit Police Department is giving another kitten a new home after their newly selected police cat, which we told you about a few weeks ago, Possifer Badges has been uh, too sick to join the force. Huh. Badges, you see, has, yeah, he has feline leukemia. It's a, a viral disease oh. that causes immune suppression. Yeah, it's contagious to other cats. So he should be kept in, you know, a colony of uh, other um, cats that have the same disease. But it can also be uh, fatal in the long run. So it it's, can be dangerous, but it can be managed. So Badges is going to receive treatment. He's going to be okay, hopefully, and he will eventually be adopted into a home where he'll either live with other cats who have feline leukemia or he will be an only cat. But the police department, the Troy Police Department in Michigan, has not given up on its plans to have a feline mascot. Instead, they have officially sworn in a new cat, a kitten named Poffacer Donut. Oh, He's got some pretty big shoes to fill. <laughs> <laughs> and this has got to be all playing out on social media, I would imagine. Of course, along with very cute pictures of the kitten and her adorable name, Poffacer Donut. Yeah. In fact, it has gone viral. They've gotten a, a huge amount of likes. I, I can't even remember. I haven't checked in the last few days, but um, astronomically so. I'm going to go look for my viral web book right now and look that up on my tech yeah. device. 
thing. She's a your web book. I gotta tell hmm. you. <laughs> I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Your son's a mailman, right? He is. He's a mailman down in Ventura County, actually in Oxnard, California. He's been doing it for, gosh, about 13 years now. Holy moly. And he gets a lot of exercise walking around all the time. All day long. Does he ever talk about the dogs that he runs in or any animals that he runs into? He never tells me about that, and I'm kind of surprised. I don't know if he's ever had any issues. Hmm. I think if he did, he would have told me. You know, we did a story on that cat that was uh, taunting... (laughs) The mailman, and so they they decided to stop delivering mail there. Yeah. The guy had to go pick up his uh, mail at the post office because, you know, killer attack cat. (laughs) Now, you told me earlier that you two have been attacked by cats. Yeah, when I was uh, pet sitting. Chase me, chase me down the hallway and chase me in the bathroom to where I lock myself in the bathroom to stay away. Yeah, I have it. too. Yeah. It's scary. Oh, yeah. And then We're, when I was a teenager, uh, a cat just showed up at our house. My parents took it in and I would come home, you know, at 10 o'clock at night and the cat would be sitting on the porch and would not let me get to the door. And I would have to throw rocks at the window because the cat would chase me and bite me if I walked <laughs> up to the front door. Didn't you? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Didn't you say once that a squirrel attacked you too? While you were on your bike, riding your bike? I was riding my bike bike and it was I was riding by a trail and there was a fence post all along the trail and a squirrel was sitting on the fence and I saw it and as I rode by it leaped and it jumped on me and wrapped itself around my ankle. I had shorts on and it wrapped around my ankle <laughs> while I was pedaling and I was trying to shake it off and the bike was wobbling and I thought, you know, I was going pretty fast. I was going downhill. I thought I'm going to fall and I was trying to shake. I was screaming and trying to shake the squirrel off my leg and he finally let go. So I've been attacked. I think I would have paid to see that. Yeah, that would have been a good video. Too bad that uh, doesn't exist. I've been attacked by dogs, cats, squirrels. Yeah. I've been attacked by a goose. Really? (laughs) Several geese. Yeah. Yeah. My brother had one when we were kids, and and that goose hated me. But my brother thought it was just the sweetest thing in the world, which it was not. Um, But but other friends had geese, too. And I, I think they know because I was scared to death of them. And yeah, sure, they, they come know. hissing and honking and flying at you. Yeah. You and- want to know how, how how smart these animals are? Has it? Did anyone see my car in the parking lot this morning? I did, Hal. What the heck happened? It, it, there was so much bird bomb poop on it. I just cleaned it two days ago. You just washed it? I just washed it. And it's all lined up all the way across on both sides, all the way up and down. You got to tell me that the bird didn't know what that what he was doing. Yeah, that I mean, was he targeted. Knew. You parked under a tree. No, these guys really? just flew back and forth over my car. I must have pissed them off or something. I don't like know. It's, was Boy. it like one of those starling uh, moomerations or whatever they're called? It could be. It was. We Maybe. do have some starlings that have been hanging out, and damn, they're they're harassing the cats. They come up to the window and they look in and they <laughs> they start squeaking at the cats. Yeah, but your car was like all over the top, all dripping down the side. That looked like white icing. It actually makes my 1957 Datsun look pretty good. It looked it looked nice. Yes, yeah, it looked it like did. icing. You, back in New Jersey, um, we lived on the river, and. The, um, 
jet skiers would go by, and we would have swans. And the swans, sometimes they would attack, sometimes they wouldn't. And one day I heard this guy scream, and he's going, get away from me. Get And trying to get away from the swan, he ended up blowing the motor in his jet ski that he just rebuilt. It was a stand-up. I guess there was something underlyingly wrong, too. And the thing pulled his boot off, like his wetsuit boot, and pulled off his boot. I had to help him, um, and 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 it chased him all the way to the um to the bulkhead, um, where we ended up pulling his jet ski jet ski out, and he had to go um you know put it up on shore. But yeah, I mean, and that was vicious. He's and he's going to be what are wrong with these birds? I don't know, but yeah, big bird like that will scare you. We're taking your attack animal stories at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. Uh, there's a brand new survey out that talks about the dog attacks and what cities top the list of dog attacks. Lori, what city do you think tops that list? Do you want to take a guess there? Mm, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't know. How about you? Chicago. Nope, nope. See, I would have to say L.A. because I'm so close to L.A. I would think it would be L.A. L.A. is number two. The top city is number one as far as dog attacks uh-huh. and bites. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, Houston. Um, Houston. I said really? Houston. Yes. You did not. Chicago. You did not, Joey. (laughs) So I figured we'd get an expert on the phone, and we actually have a letter carrier in San Luis Obispo, California. Ramiro DeMarco is joining us. Hi, Ramiro. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Very good. Are you out on your uh, route right now? Uh, No, this is actually my day off, so I'm just here enjoying it. Oh, okay. How long have you been working with the Postal Service? Uh, It's been a little over three years now fun job do you like it i love my job yeah love my job yeah love interacting with people love walking around and being out in the street enjoying the weather yeah i love my job have you run into any dogs that um have caused you any trouble oh absolutely yes have you been bit i've been bit once i've been chased uh, more times than i can count is this common or are you just uh, look really tasty uh, <laughs> sort of common um i live on a uh, well i work on a college route so every six to eight months we get different residents and they don't know the rules so i deal with that a lot to where other uh residential areas they don't deal with it as much because uh the residents kind of know to keep them away so when you first see a dog what what goes through your mind? Do you do you kind of evaluate the situation? Uh, I immediately evaluate the situation. I I look at it as whether I am safe to approach the resident before I even approach a gate or a door. I kind of, yeah, for lack of a better word, eyeball it to see whether the dog can jump a fence or not, oh. uh, and then I make my decision from there. If I feel like there are any threat to me, then I just go ahead and kind of walk on the street and skip the house. Our safety sure. comes first. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Hang tight, Ramiro. We're going to take a quick break. Here is today's Stop Automotive News Story. I'm Nick Miles. With its mid-engine configuration and sleek design, the 2020 Corvette Stingray offers unprecedented performance at a starting price of $59,995. Most people thought that when they moved the Corvette to mid-engine, it would no longer be attainable. But Corvette knew they couldn't miss with this winning formula, and the 2020 Stingray proves it, said Brian Sweeney, Chevrolet U.S. Vice President. To find your new Stingray, see our reviews at OurAutoExpert.com. 
Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car care needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service. For professional parts people you can trust, stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts. Better prices. Every day. Can we get a fresh sweep here? The last sweep we have goes like this. This is Fred Willard on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your animals. I've had it done to me. It's not that rough. We've run it into the ground. We need something fresh. Oh, really? I didn't. I don't. Really... <laughs> that was pretty funny. Can you uh, can you do something that's different? Yeah, yeah. Hi, this is Fred Willard on Animal Radio, and I, I'm I'm begging you, spay and neuter your animals. I'm sitting up and begging. I'll play. I'll roll over and play dead if you want, but do it. Oh, what did he say? He said, we're all across the USA, the most listened to pet show today. Animal Radio, we're everywhere you go. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. Seems like we've gone down a weird rabbit hole today. We have our local mailman, or mail person, Romero DeMarco talking with us today and what it's like to be a mailman around aggressive dogs. Do you carry a, uh, uh, like a, what, what is it, mace. mace or any kind of protection? You know, we uh, sort of, uh, we carry a, what's called a dog repellent. Um, so it's not as strong as a mace like uh, a police officer will use, but we do carry something like that. And then we also carry uh, almost like a blow horn uh, that makes a really loud noise, and they kind of get um, a little scared about that. So what happened in the actual case where you were bitten? Were you surprised? I was very surprised. I was a new carrier, kind of unaware of it. Um, me, myself, I've always been a dog person, so I just uh, trusted it when I really shouldn't. Um, I gave my back to the dog, and as I was handing the resident his package, uh, I believe the dog just felt threatening got up from the porch, uh, ran to me, and bit me in the back of my leg, yes. Oof. And it all happened within an instant. I did not hear the dog get up. I did not hear a chain or a collar, nothing. It happened in an instant. Well, you have a lot of things going against you. The first thing I think of is uniforms, and sometimes dogs <laughs> are frightened of uniforms. And then you're interacting with their owner, and their owners... Absolutely. Yeah, they're, they need. They feel like they need to be protective, I guess, of their owner. Absolutely, absolutely. What? I mean, you're walking into their home, their residence, where they live and get fed, in, and, uh, mm-hmm. and their job, their number one job is to protect the, the, the owner. So, I mean, you you got to look at it from their point of view as well, that you're stepping into their grounds. I see that there's a YouTube video put together by the Postal Service on the Postal Service's YouTube channel on dog bite prevention. What, what is that about? Yes, yes. There, there was a letter that went out uh, and then obviously a video that anybody can go on USPS.com and look at. Uh, and it's just, uh, it's just for residents and people to be aware of the daily situations that we go through and obviously our safety as well. We like to do a, a great job in delivered to you on a daily basis and we like to eliminate any kind of um uh anything that can prevent us from that um so yeah if uh if i may i do have a few tips yeah we would love to hear those tips okay all right um so basically if a carrier is delivering mail or packages to your front door uh, we would like to ask residents to place their dog in a separate room 
and close the, uh, the door in that room before you open the front door. Uh, some dogs like to burst through the, through the screen doors or even the plate glass windows to attack the visitors. Um, dog owners should always keep the family pet secure. Also, parents should remind their children or other family members not to take mail directly from the carriers in the presence of a family pet. Um, as a dog may view the person handling the mail to a family member as a threatening gesture. Yeah. Uh, we see that a lot. Um, <laughs> also, that the post office places uh, the safety of the employees as a top priority. Yeah. Um, and if at any moment we feel threatened by a dog or if a dog is loose or unleashed, the owner may be asked to pick up the mail at a post office until the carrier is assured that the dog has been restrained. Um, and also, if a dog is roaming the neighborhood, meaning if the dog is loose and is going into other people's yards, um, the owner's neighbors also may be asked to pick up the, the mail at the uh, local post office as well, just because we feel wow. that as a threat. Go ahead. I've been chased all the way back to my mail truck until I actually got in and they went away. But it's happened to me. Yeah. Now you keep. Yeah, and, and you don't see them coming either. You know. <laughs> you keep talking about dogs. Have you been threatened by any other animals? Maybe even a cat. I uh, believe it or not, I've seen a snake uh, wrapped around a mailbox. <laughs> I've seen uh, plenty of spiders. I've been stung by wasps. Obviously, they're not family pets. Oh. Uh, but I've been chased by cats. I've been chased by dogs. Yes. The cats will really chase you? You know, they, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And I just do not trust them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I got to salute you because you, you, while you do have a fun job, at times it can be harrowing and you do put up with a lot of crap, too. And I, I uh, We put up with our share, but we absolutely love our job and we take a lot of pride in it. <laughs> You're awesome. Thanks for spending time with us today. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having us. Uh, there's Carrier Romero DeMarco joining us here on Animal Radio. You know, I had a tip for my mailman, yeah. you know. Just in case they seen the dog, I said, "If you see my dog, um, you know what you do." He said, "What?" I said, "Run like hell." <laughs> <laughs> okay, it is time for us to get on out. If you need your fix, visit us over at AnimalRadio.pet. You want to read a little more about your Yorkshire Terrier, or your Shih Tzu, or your Pug, or your Mini Schnauzer? Check out Doctor Debbie's books, "How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend," available over at Kindle. And you can also find everything you've heard on today's show over at our website. Hit the brand new button that says As Heard on Animal Radio, and you'll find links to everything you've heard about today on Animal Radio. It's funny how that works, huh? <laughs> have yourself a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. Till next week. Till next time. Have a good one. This is Animal Radio Network.